If you grew up in England, you know that this sound can only mean one thing. Ice cream. I'm Lewis Bassett, and you're listening to The Full English, a podcast in which we examine Englishness by looking at what we eat. In this episode, we'll find out whether Margaret Thatcher helped invent Mr. Whippy, and also what Mr. Whippy can tell us about the Conservative Party today, from Thatcher to Liz Truss. But before we get into the politics, let's stick with the ice cream. So Mr. Whippy, what is it? Mr. Whippy ice cream, what is it? Okay, that's a good question. Um, so basically, it's a mixture, an ice cream mix. You put it in the machine. The, uh, um, the machine will aerate it. It'll go through a pump. And then um, it'll come out just as you see when you go up to a van. This is Zoe Philipson of Time Valley Ices. Last year, Zoe won the award for having the best ice cream van in the UK. When you've got milk, you've got water, you've got sugar. Uh, and then there's a few little things sort of like um, to make the balance right, to make the consistency right, make sure that it doesn't just fall off the ice cream. Um, so you've got things like um, emulsifiers, uh, machinery as well, and homogenizers. That's kind of part of the process as well. It's not just about the ingredients, it's about the, the method of making it. There's loads that goes into it. And the secret ingredient is... is- kind of basically air right like how you get that air into it is where this big machine comes in and that's what gives you that kind of feeling of it being so light exactly so when we're talking about mr whippy what we mean is soft ice cream that's usually served from a van often in a thin yellowish cone sometimes with bright red sauce and of course a chocolate flake the name mr whippy refers to a brand founded in 1959 by a man named dominic vicino whose parents were italian immigrants to england That combination of soft ice cream, cone, sauce and flake is what we also call a 99. But it's not called a 99 because of the price. And what, what's your most popular ice cream that you sell? Well, probably in the 99. This is Zoe's dad, Alan, who sold ice cream in the North East since 1974. Why, why is it called a 99? Do you know that? No one knows. <laughs> no well, one knows. In 99, it comes from the actual flake that goes in it. It's got nothing to do with the cone or the ice cream part. Uh, Cadbury's came up with the name. There's a few like little theories. One of the most likely theories for the name is it refers to an elite brigade of Italian soldiers who served as the King's Guard. That meant that anything seen as elite could be referred to by Italian migrants as 99. So we'd probably say, oh, that's mint, oh, that's great. Like, people used to say, oh, that's 99. So that's where the 99 name apparently came from. A lot of people think it's because it used to be 99 99p. 99p, mm-hmm. yeah, that drives us insane. <laughs> <laughs> so my understanding is that some of the very first soft ice creams were essentially just ice creams that had nearly melted. My name is John Agar, and I'm a historian of science and technology at UCL. But the soft ice cream that we know, what it is, is it's a, it's a mixture Right, you might take dried milk, you mix it with various other components, for example, emulsifiers, because there's not a lot of milk fat in soft ice cream. And then you 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 bring the temperature down rapidly so that ice crystals don't form. So you don't have that sort of crunchiness of frozen ice cream that you might get out of the freezer. And the innovations in making soft ice cream from the 50s into the 60s and going on forward have always been, how do you get more and more air into that ice cream? Because air is very, very cheap as a 
as a component and you can pour it, you can put it in a cone and hand it out quickly and you've got to eat it equally quickly, otherwise it just melts over your fingers. So as simple as it might appear, a Mr Whippy ice cream is pretty high tech. Not only does the mix require modern emulsifiers, but it needs a machine both to rapidly freeze the milk and to aerate it. It also requires a bit of skill to make one, as I discovered when Zoe welcomed me into her van. It's more majestic way of getting inside of an ice cream van. This is exciting. Just jump in. <laughs> Literally just jump in. I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. Yeah. So basically, you just like, turn it on that by that button there, and then you'll see the ice cream like getting around that pump, and then it'll come back out. And uh, that basically, you know, it's doing its job when you see that, uh, and you know the barrel's full as well. So there's loads of different ways of doing it. So I kind of tend to just kind of like move my hand around a little bit. Some people go a little bit mad with it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> That's good. Not Perfect. You can check out the full English on Instagram to see the result, but I can assure you that Zoe was being kind of nice here. In any case, to invent Mr. Whippy required a certain amount of chemistry and engineering, and that's where Margaret Thatcher enters this story. We've all heard of Margaret Thatcher, we've all got views about Margaret Thatcher, but what interested me about Margaret Thatcher is that she was not only a, a politician, but also was trained as a scientist. Not only had a science degree, but also had working experience as a scientist. And sometimes when she was asked, what does it feel like to be the first um, woman prime minister? Her reply was, actually, I'm the first science prime minister. Science and far less ice cream is not exactly what Thatcher is remembered for today. For many, Thatcher is known for the immense transformation that she led in British society, a keystone of which was her attack on trade unions. She didn't hide the fact that she despised the trade unions. She didn't hide the fact that she despised organised labour. Um, she, she, she didn't. Hello, my name's Ian Leary. I'm the member, Labour Member of Parliament for Wandsbeck. From 2002 till 2010, Ian Lavery served as president of the once mighty National Union of Miners. In the mid-1980s, Ian and his family joined some 200,000 miners in Britain who went on strike in an attempt to prevent Thatcher phasing out coal mining and her policy of de-industrializing the UK more broadly. Well, I would say that Margaret Thatcher was an ideologue uh, with extreme views and very strong to ensure she got what she wanted regardless of the consequences to, to millions of people. She had a vision, uh, a right-wing vision of a very small state, uh, low taxation, deregulation, uh, low wages, uh, denationalisation. The real problem we face today is we've lived through quite a long period now of increasing trade union power. It's also been a period when we've had increasing left-wing militancy in control of the unions. Oh yes we have. Oh yes we have and the country knows it. And the people who are there in the unions, in the rank and file of the unions, know it too. What she did is she organised a government who would be prepared to, to turn on the very people who basically you know, put the backbone into this country. Uh, she turned on them 
Uh, she turned the, the judiciary against it, the magistrates, the police, uh, all against hard-working, honest, ordinary people. The term Thatcherism is one that was originally coined by the cultural theorist Stuart Hall uh, before Thatcher had actually become Prime Minister. My name is Will Davis and I'm a professor in political economy at Goldsmiths, University of London. And he identified the fact that there was an ideology uh, coming together in the policies and arguments and ideas of Margaret Thatcher, but also those who surrounded her in the late 1970s that went beyond simply what was then traditional Toryism or any narrowly conceived view of uh, economic policy. It wasn't just about cutting taxes. It wasn't just about trying to bring inflation down. It wasn't just about trying to stand up for the unions. It was about combining all of these things, plus uh, a broader vision of society in which traditional values would be restored via the family, via strong authority figures, via greater powers for the police, via law and order. It was the, the putting of these two things together that I think was so significant. But it's the plight of individual boys and girls which worries me most. Children who need to be taught to respect traditional moral values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All of those children are being cheated of a sound start in life. Yes, cheated. Some, including our current government, see Thatcher's project as a good thing. Others, like Ian Lavery, intensely disagree. And so, like all things to do with her, the idea that Thatcher invented Mr Whippy is pretty controversial. I love ice cream. Mr Whippy ice cream is lovely. I was horrified to hear that some people actually think that Margaret Thatcher, she developed it. Well, if that's the case, let me tell you, there's no more Mr. Whippy's coming here, I, I can't assure you, despite the fact that I normally get two flakes, monkey's blood, hundreds and thousands, uh, all on one, uh, all on one ice cream, Lewis. I, I love me ice cream, but can you imagine thinking you love anything that had anything remotely to do with Margaret Thatcher? For heaven's sake, however. She was a fervently anti-socialist. I mean, the thing that Thatcher probably believed more strongly than anything else was uh, that socialism was un-British, it was illiberal, that it was sort of undemocratic as well in, in, in some sort of complicated ways. And that capitalism wasn't simply one way of organising your economy. Capitalism was the basis for individual freedom. It was also fundamentally British. You could fly the flag if you were a capitalist. You couldn't fly the flag if you were a socialist. But it was also the basis for uh, Western democratic values in the conflict with the Soviet Union. But what's the truth? Did Margaret Thatcher actually help invent Mr Whippy ice cream? If you're enjoying the show, please consider becoming a subscriber over at patreon.com forward slash full English. You can sign up for as little as £3 a month and with that, you'll get access to extra content, including in this case, a recipe for vegan soft-serve ice cream that you can make at home. If you live in London, being a subscriber will also give you access to early releases for supper club tickets held by myself and friends. That's patreon.com forward slash full English. integrity to withstand the air pressure. I've got all over my shoes. 
Oh, it really is too depressing. Oh, no, they're brand new. Having this whole job trying to pump air into ice cream to make it go further. God knows what it's going to taste like. Do you think it's going to rock the leather? This is exactly what you get with Mr. Attlee and his hair shirt policies. I tell you right now, Joyce, I don't want to be remembered as the woman who enhanced vegetable facts for the children of Britain to eat on their summer holidays. That was a clip from The Long Walk to Finchley, a BBC drama about the early life of Margaret Thatcher. I mean, this is the, this is the question. So did she or did she not help invent Mr. Whippy? I think the short answer is no. John Agar again who's researched Thatcher's life and career. So she came out of Oxford in 1947 with a chemistry degree, uh, already by then deeply interested in politics. But what's interesting is that she doesn't immediately go into politics, but actually takes um, two jobs as a working industrial scientist. The first at a company called British Xylonite, or BX. And then a couple of years later, she joins... Jay Lyons, a big food company in Britain, uh, produced a whole range of processed foods, but also sold them, whether it's buns and bread or ice cream, through their Lyons tea shops, which were on pretty much every uh, high street corner um, in the country. We know for certain that Thatcher was involved in food science at Lyons. In fact, while working there, Thatcher published a scientific paper which discussed the production of a chemical called glycerol monosterate, which is an emulsifier that's frequently used in processed food today and certainly could be used in soft ice cream. So if there is a connection, it might just be through through that link. But we know that soft ice cream was invented earlier in the United States and it was only really brought into Britain after Margaret Thatcher left Lions. I think the timing makes it impossible for Margaret Thatcher to be one of the people who helped invent um, soft ice cream, unfortunately. So that seems pretty conclusive. And it means that trade unionists like Ian Lavery can eat their soft serve ice creams in peace. It also means that the interesting thing here is why the idea that Thatcher invented Mr. Whippy continues to circulate. This is an idea so prevalent that the Bishop of London made this claim in his speech at Thatcher's funeral. Beginning in the upper floors of her father's grocer's shop in Grantham, through Oxford as a scientist and later as part of the team that invented Mr. Whippy ice cream, she embarked upon... Remember, in a previous episode of this podcast on the fish finger butter, we learned that culinary myths matter, even when they're not accurate. So what does this myth mean exactly? I remember hearing this story in the 1980s. So I mean, I grew up in a Labour voting household. My dad was a, a local politician. And a lot of the stories, in the you know, what we talked about in the 1980s would be Thatcher uh, and you know, all her misdeeds. And I think, you know, I think it is something to do with the qualities of soft ice cream because you know it's it's popular right but in a slightly crass way it's cheap to produce it generates big profits for the for the businesses but it's definitely of lower quality it sort of feels like a a symbol of something getting worse um so it's not your beautiful artisan made creamy lovely ice cream um that um we might favor now I'm 
but it's that low-quality soft ice cream that is inexplicably popular, but is definitely worse. So that's my best guess for why the story circulates. Perhaps, then, the association between Mr Whippy and Mrs Thatcher is one pushed by Thatcher's opponents who happen to have a taste for artisanal gelato. In these terms, the myth that Thatcher invented Mr Whippy is meant to associate her with a kind of fake, inferior ice cream that contains milk, not cream, and is ultimately 30% air. However, this interpretation would seem to be somewhat at odds with the popularity of the product, as the socialist and lover of soft-serve ice cream, Ian Lavery, can testify to. If you mention Mr Whippy to me, I'll say an ice cream van, and I hear the chimes, and I see, like, the big cone with, the, like, the, the ice cream and the flaking on the front. I don't know how that symbolises um, Margaret Thatcher. I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit lost with that. Then again, Thatcher was popular with a large minority of working-class voters, particularly those who supported her war in the Falklands, one which tapped into post-imperial sentiments of British superiority. You could say that some people love what others, in this case those on the left, think are inherently bad for them. And so Mr Whippy might be seen as inferior by some, but loved by others in spite of that. In a way, it's fake ice cream as well. It's, it's not real ice cream. People aren't, there's a false consciousness there going on. It's like you're not getting what you think you're getting. You're being sold something that, that, that is, isn't the real thing. And it's not good for you. Um, so there's all those things mixed up in the story of Thatcher and ice cream. That might be half of the story. However... I think the simple truth is the idea that Thatcher invented Mr Whippy is just a curious biographical tidbit, a small talking point in the pub, a chance to say, hey, did you know that it was Thatcher that invented Mr Whippy? In fact, seeing Mr Whippy as a symbol for Thatcherism, understood by those on the left as a negative yet often popular political movement, obscures a much more accurate comparison between the ice cream and politics. Rather than as a symbol of the 1980s, Mr Whippy is far better understood as a symbol of post-war England, as the product of a long process of industrialisation that reached its peak in the 1960s before it was undone by Thatcher's revolution. Mr Whippy as a symbol of rising living standards, which were achieved in part through trade unions, and the popularisation through modern production techniques of what had previously been unaffordable foods like ice cream. Mr Whippy appears in 1959, only five years after the end of rationing in the UK. This is the year that Thatcher had only just entered Parliament. She's not yet, in fact, become the radical right-wing politician she'd become in the 1970s. The 1950s were the years in which the Conservative Prime Minister, Harold Macmillan, claimed that the British public had never had it so good. That is what Mr Whippy represents. And it's that which in no small part was totally transformed by Mrs Thatcher and the crisis of the era in which she came to prominence. Mr Whippy is therefore a symbol of the very social phenomena which Thatcherism undermined. And yet, in a way, Mr Whippy also shows us how products of their era can outlive their context because there is something distinctly retro about an ice cream van from the chimes to the light pink and blue colour scheme. In that way, perhaps Mr Whippy helps us see the way that ideologies, like Thatcherism, bed down in our everyday lives. 
ideas that belong to distinct historical periods, but then from that moment forward, continue to constitute everything from the food we eat to the buildings we live in. One way that Thatcherism did this was by undermining the very fabric of working-class community power in this country, as Ian Lavery explains. It wasn't just the fact that you worked uh, at the pit or worked underground. It was a fact of, of what was around the community because the communities were built on the fact that the pit was here and the communities were built because of the people who worked underground producing the coal. But what, you know, what sprung from that, Lewis, man, was this community spirit, this... This fact that we looked after each other, and it wasn't always harmonious, of course it wasn't, but the general principle was solidarity, unity, um, all of this sort of stuff. And we looked after each other in the traditions, in the history, in the culture, the women racing, the pigeon racing, the league groom, the onion groom, the, the billiards league, the cricket team, the football team, uh, the dominoes, the social clubs, the girls you play, all of this sort of stuff developed such a fantastic community um, community spirit. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that, unfortunately, we've seen um, disappear with the closure of the coal industry. It disappear with large, you know, when large industries leave areas, the, the, basically the, 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 communities, the communities are abandoned and, we, you know, we lose the spirit that was developed and brought forward proudly our, you know, like, generations, if not more than a century. However, as a culturally conservative project, the legacy of Thatcherism is far more mixed. Obviously, there is now another sort of moral panic surrounded sort of woke values and, and, and this sort of thing in schools and universities and so on. But I think that broadly speaking, many aspects of kind of 1960s, 1970s countercultural values and alternative lifestyles and alternative family structures and so on. I mean, I think on, on that front, I think Thatcherism has lost in, in lots of respects. As for the Conservative Party, they appear to be presently gripped by the ghost of Thatcherism. So far, the economic debate for the past 20 years has been dominated by discussions about distribution. But and what's happened mm -hmm. is we have had relatively low growth. So we've had no In the same way that some of us get sentimental for Mr Whippy because it invokes happier times of childhood and relative abundance, the Tories appear to be trapped by their Thatcherite past. And so, while Mr Whippy doesn't symbolise Thatcherism, I think in this way, it can help us understand it. I do believe it's right. But is it fair that on this decision... Yes, it is fair. It is fair yes, to give the wealthiest fair. people more money back. It is fair. We promise. You've been listening to The Full English. If you've enjoyed the show, please show your support over at patreon.com forward slash full English. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash full English. The Full English is made by me, Lewis Bassett. Additional editing and sound design comes from Forest DLG. Thanks as always to our guests. You'll find more details about them and their work in the show notes. And thank you for listening. <laughs>